You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormain.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Jill Hinckley is the owner of Hinckley Introductions, a matchmaking and coaching agency based in Portland. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. So you have an interesting business in this day and age. We used to think of matchmakers way back when. Then we kind of came into the age of Tinder and Bumble and other apps. But you're actually, you're kind of old school. You're doing stuff the way that it's been done for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely trying to take it back to a more personal connection with people. Like, like to connect people on a personal and meaningful way. And this is how I do it. It's real matchmaking. It's one-on-one, as if you're meeting a friend of a friend. That's how I keep working on it being for a personal experience for everybody. So you grew up in, you were born in Ellsworth, and you grew up in Southwest Harbor. Your grandfather started Hinkley Yachts in 1928. So this is, this is kind of a big departure from the family business. <laughs> Very big, but not really because our family, we knew everybody that built a Hinkley boat. They came, we knew the whole family. It took at least a year to build a Hinkley boat. So they would come up, they would visit, we would have dinner parties with the people that were building their boats. So we really knew everybody, every customer very personally. My grandfather, when he owned the Hinkley company, we only built 12 boats a year. So each family was very important. We knew every boat, name, every customer. That was a long time ago. Fast forward, picnic boat, whole different world at the Hinkley Company. Um, but that's how I grew up. I grew up with very personal relationships with people, and I loved networking and getting to know people. So that brought me into this, yes. <laughs> so I'm guessing that there must have been a few other things that you've done in your life prior to now, because this is a relatively new business for mm-hmm. you. I've been doing it for four years, yes. Um, after my family, I did work at the Hinkley Company. I started when I was in high school giving tours of the Hinkley Company. Um, went to high school, college, would come back and work in the summers on the dock, and I worked in retail a lot. Um, I am a mom with five kids, so I did a lot of staying at home with my kids while they were growing up. Then um, started working at the Hinkley Company again in their retail business. Then my father sold the Hinkley Company in 1998. I decided, I I had remarried and I decided to move on and do other things. Well, what I started doing was doing recruiting in the boat business. So there were other boat companies um, that were looking for uh, people to 
work for their company. And I knew a lot of people through the Hinkley Company that had worked at the Hinkley Company for many years. So that brought me into recruiting in the boat business, which I loved. And it's similar to matchmaking because you're connecting businesses with employees and people and getting to know people and interviewing people and understanding what they want, where they're going, where they want to live. Uh, so recruiting in the boat business actually brought me to matchmaking. <laughs> kind of a roundabout way, but I ended up here and I love it. So so was there one experience that uh, some sort of aha moment where you said, oh, matchmaking, I'd, I'd be good at this. I think I should do this. Well, Maine has been the was the tipping point for me because Maine has incredible people that live here and they're all different and diverse and they have different careers. They live in different places. And I'm a lucky person. I get to live in all different parts of Maine or go visit all different parts of Maine. So I was meeting people, sometimes from recruiting and sometimes personally, that were incredible people. And I kept thinking, oh, you need to know this person and you need to know this person. And then I would lose them. I would not be able to connect them. So I started thinking, because I have all these single people I know, how do I connect them? Do I use my recruiting skills, you know, have them fill out my questionnaire, get to know them, so that if I do want to contact them, I can reach out and have all their information. So it was really just inspired by all the great people in Maine that I was trying to connect on different levels. How do you differentiate yourself as a matchmaker and your business from the, the, the apps that we've mentioned? And how, how are the people that come to see you different than the people who might, say, sign up for, I don't know, Match.com? Mm-hmm. Um, I work with all everybody. Anybody that comes into my group, there's different levels. You can simply be in my database. It's free. You just fill out my questionnaire and you can be free in my database. And that's just one way of putting yourself out there if you're a single person. I also coach people. A lot of people I work with are divorced or widowed and they haven't been out there and they don't even know there's so many incredible options. Yes, there's Bumble and Tinder and Hinge and Match.com and eHarmony and there's all these different ways you can step into this dating world. So I do coaching for people, and then I do personal matchmaking. And personal matchmaking is usually working with somebody who has a very busy life, who prefers not to go online, probably for oftentimes because of their career or something, they or just plain busy busy. Because be, being online and doing these apps does take a lot of time. So people sometimes don't have that time and they say, okay, Jill, help me out here. And what I do is I set up the dates, I get to know everybody, I do background checks if that's necessary, and really make sure that these two people are compatible before they even meet. So How do you do that? I Lots of questions, lots of talking and getting to know them. I try not to have people bring a big list. Like sometimes people are like, okay, these are all the things I want in my next relationship. And he, I want him to ski and do all these things. And, and it's okay to have a few things on the list, but let's, I say it's, how does that person make you feel? How does that person, can you sit on that porch and talk for hours with that person? Is that somebody you just really want to spend time with? 
so that's where I try to get people to focus on, not so much the list, but more about the experience of being with that person. So it's just me, like a friend, like I really get to know them and say, and you know, it's first dates can be tough, but they can also be so much fun. So you get to know somebody as a friend, but that's the worst case scenario. Well, I'm, I was thinking about our interview with um, DJ John, and he was talking to us about people who came in with big lists of do not play music <laughs> and how challenging that really was for him. Right. And that as a professional, what he preferred was give me a few things that you like and then kind of just leave it up to me. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to do this. And, and, and what you're saying is a little bit of that. You know, I'm going to get to know you, and I'm going to make sure that we put you together with somebody who at least – you know, foundationally, you have some things in common. Does that sound right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, there's going to be some deal breakers for people that are really important. It can be, uh, in this crazy world we live in today, politics can be a big one. You know, so we have to talk about a little bit about politics, religion. These are things that are really important to people. And so I can see by getting to know them that this is going to be a deal breaker one way or the other, or wow, these two people are very compatible and can talk for hours about this subject. So worst case scenario is their first date is they just really enjoy talking to each other. You found somebody that you agree with on a lot of different levels. So how does that come up in a conversation? Do you just, do you immediately put it out there like, (laughs) who did you vote for? Or do you just kind of let things go a little bit and then kind of see where they might be inclined and then ask? So when I interview people and have them fill out my questionnaire, it is a question that I do ask about the uh, politics. And so they're, they're pretty, some people feel very strongly about it. Some people are very, you know, easygoing about it. They don't mind. So these are things that I learned just because I'm doing one-on-one. I'm also having them fill out my questionnaire. So I, I know them pretty well, usually. What are some of the questions that you have on your questionnaire? Um, I ask them about their lifestyle, about like politics, their religion, um, if they've been married before, what sports and activities they like to do. I, I sometimes ask them, what's a typical Sunday? How do you, what do you do on a typical Sunday? Because a lot of times that's the day you have a chance to spend with somebody else, and I like to see that they would do the same things or enjoy the same things. Um, what other questions do I have that are on the, you know, obviously age and whether or not they have kids and whether or not they're willing to travel to meet a match. A lot of people love to travel to meet somebody and some people are like, no, no, I'd rather pe- meet somebody just 30 minutes away from me. So that's another big challenge I have is geography. Are you dealing with people who are just within the state of Maine, or does your do your matches go all over? I started just in Maine, <clears throat> but I do notice a lot of the people I work with uh, either go to Florida in the wintertime, or you know they travel in different parts of Maine, or some people even live in Maine and travel to Boston for work. So there's a lot of cross-state lines activity going on, which really the fun part for me with that is I got involved with other matchmakers. (laughs) We have a whole network of matchmakers that I work with, so sometimes I'll work with Florida matchmakers or I'll work with a matchmaker in Boston, and I actually just opened an office in Boston, so myself. So I do travel a bit to meet people and 
that's so fun. I get to meet the most incredible people. So I cannot complain about that. But yes, a lot of people are outside of Maine. That's so that's so fun, the idea that there's like all these other matchmakers out there in the world. <laughs> I, I hadn't really ever thought about that. I guess my I guess my daughter has watched a reality show about some sort of matchmaker somewhere, so I'm sure that, she has. Those are fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I knew that, that existed, but I I I think it, it shows that there's still this need for a personal connectivity, even though you have at your fingertips the computer that you could use or your phone that some people really just prefer to have somebody that they can talk to who can help them out. Absolutely. And I love that because people have so many questions about this and no two people are going to have the same experience. Everybody comes at this from a different direction, different point of view, a different experience. And that's the fun for me is I get to know them individually, work with them. And I love working with other matchmakers. We, if another matchmaker, in Boston, for example, has a client they're working with, they might contact me and see if anybody in my database or anybody I'm working with might match up with their client. So we would, and we, she knows that other matchmaker knows her client, I know my client, so we get together and we talk about our, our clients that we're working with. And oftentimes that's really fun because they go out and have a great date and you meet somebody you never would have met if you hadn't have signed up with a matchmaker. Do the people that you work with tend to be older? People who, as you mentioned, maybe are widowed or divorced or maybe just have never gotten married? Definitely. I work with 40 and up, but I do have other matchmakers that I do work with that work with a younger crowd. Um, it's just a matter of staying focused on my, I'm 54 years old. I tend to work with that crowd a little bit better than the younger crowd. It's just a different, but that's why I think when you sign up with a matchmaker, it's really important that you connect with that matchmaker, that you feel like that matchmaker gets you. And I just feel like I'm really good with the 40 and up crowd and maybe not so focused on the younger crowd. Do you notice that people who have gone through some of these fairly traumatic things in their lives, loss of a spouse or divorce even, do you notice that, they, that they're still working through things? And is mm -hmm. this ever something that comes up for you in conversation with them? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you have to go, you have to be ready. Timing is really important for matchmaking because we jump right on it. We get excited about meeting you and who we're going to set you up with. And so you have to be ready. Your schedule has to be, you have to fit this into your life. And sometimes emotionally, I find that people are just not really ready for this. They're not really sure how this is all going to play out for them. So another thing I love to do is network with people, um, life coaches, therapists. Um, I makeup artists and photographers. And I, I mean, any, any, any resource that that person I feel like needs. Sometimes people haven't had their picture taken in... But, I mean, they take pictures of everybody else, but they haven't had a picture taken of themselves in like five years. So I'll send them to a photographer. And then they'll be so excited because they have finally have a great picture of themselves. It just makes them feel good. And that's a great way to put yourself out. I tell them, put it on your Facebook page, get excited, go out there and attend more events. And uh, so, yeah, so everybody comes at it. And, and I, I sort of think of tweaking them a little bit. Okay, this is, I'm gonna send you down this road for a little while. And then they're really ready for this, but not everybody comes ready to go. So if they needed to process their grief, for example, 
you could say refer them to a counselor or if they just needed some, I don't know, hair advice, you could send them <laughs> towards somebody who could help them with maybe something that's not quite as deep-seated. And, and people generally are okay with this sort of advice coming from you. Generally, yeah. I think they're generally excited about it because, you know, this is a big step for a lot of people that haven't been out in the dating world for a long time. So we try to take baby steps. You know, we're not, we don't want to throw them into this without all the tools they need to get through this experience. So it is baby steps, but hopefully, you know, they're happy with that. Yeah, works well. I think about some of the patients that I see that, um, they want to jump right back into, they say, say maybe they lost their spouse suddenly and they've never been alone and they want to jump right back into a relationship. And I've seen this happen more than once where, or even a divorce where somebody just, it's just immediately into the dating pool. And it doesn't always work out that well because they needed to sort of put some closure on the relationship they had. They needed to grieve that relationship before they could move on. When that happens, do you say, hey, come back and see these other people, mm-hmm. the counselor, the, <clears throat> somebody else that you might meet, you know, your pastor, right. and then come back in a few months? Absolutely. Um, what I would suggest in that situation is for those people to be in my database. So my database is quite large because it's a free database and people come into my database. <clears throat> I only work with 10 to 15 people personally a year. So those people I know, and I don't sign anybody up for that unless I know they're ready. So to, to be in my database is kind of fun for people because that's the baby step. And then if I have somebody I'm working with, I'll contact them and I'll say, okay, how are you doing? Are you ready for this? This is an opportunity I have for you. And they can pass. They can say, you know, I'm not really ready right now. Um, or yeah, you know, I've it's been a few months since I joined your database and now I'm ready. So I check in with everybody to make sure they are ready for this. And usually they are. I mean, I have great, fun people that are using me as one of their resources if they're in my database because I want them to be out on Bumble and try new things, be on Facebook. Um, you know, nonprofits is a really big thing for me. I tell all my single people that I get a chance to, and now I'm on the radio so I can tell them on. <laughs> Go to nonprofit events, join something in your community, get involved with people that are giving back to their community. That's where you want to be. You want to be out and about. You don't want to be sitting in my database waiting for something to happen, um, which is great. I want you to be there too, but also I want my people to be out and about and meeting new people because that's the best. When you are out and about in various capacities, are you constantly like thinking, <laughs> oh, is this person single? She or Maybe. he could match up with somebody else. Possibly. I could just yes. see this like computer kind of going oh, on in your in the your antennas head. are up and I'm looking all around. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I try to put myself out there too because I want to, on behalf of my clients, be out there meeting people, networking. And yeah, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to like put myself out there because I'm generally not as outgoing as my husband is, for example. He's the one that's much more outgoing. But we play off each other. He says, okay, there's this event. Let's go. And I love that about my relationship with my husband because it creates this opportunity for me to meet new people and to put myself out there. 
So that's an important point that you wouldn't always want to have your list of what you want in someone because maybe you actually want somebody who compliments you and it's possible you don't even know what that looks like. 100% agree with you. Absolutely. If I had had a list, I would not be married to my husband right now. <laughs> Although we compliment each other so well and we laugh, we have fun and we have differences that we celebrate about each other and yeah. But we also have some core values and things that bring us together. We're very family-oriented with our kids, and we love to do certain activities together. Um, one of the things we love is the ocean. We do love to go boating, and that was really important to me because I love the ocean so much to be able to share that with somebody. But we're very different human beings, very different. And now I laugh about it, but at the time I was like, I don't know, he's so different from me. <laughs> Yeah, I look for opposites. I think opposites attract. You said you have five kids. Mm -hmm. What do they all think of <laughs> what their mom is doing these days? Uh, some think it's really fun and funny, and some are like, I can't believe I'm not telling anybody you're doing this. <laughs> no, it's they're, they're just my 15-year-old. I, I embarrass her completely. My older kids are 25, 27, 28, and 30, so... They're pretty proud of me because I'm, I'm having fun with this, and I, I ask them about all the apps. Okay, tell me how to use Bumble because I'm not on these apps. I need them to teach me how to use these apps, and then I pass that information on to my clients. So they're big help to me. They're great. Well, and to be fair, pretty much any 15-year-old, <laughs> probably 15-year-old girl, mm -hmm. um, is probably going to have some embarrassment about a parent. So I doubt very much it's specific to your child and your um, profession not, at this but moment. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, you've, you've gone through this four other times, so I'm, right. I'm guessing that you have a sense that it'll probably shift at some point. Exactly. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is it that you hope to see your business You've been doing this for four years. You opened a business. You opened an office in Boston. Where do you hope to go from here? Well, I want us to stay very personal. That's it. No, I don't want to be a big company, but I love being able to meet new people. It brings so much energy to my life and so much fun. And I work with my um, assistant Carolyn Clement, who I work with, and she and I have. We, we talk about different clients together and who we should introduce to other people. and We set up dates. I mean, I just, to keep it going the same way it's going right now would be the way I'd want to do it. Um, just as personal as possible. Is it something that's um, easily scalable? I mean, when you think of business and you're doing something that's very personal and, personal and Caroline is doing something that's very personal, how how many more offices in different cities could you actually support? Uh, I don't think I'd want to, but yes, matchmakers do go big. There are some big matchmakers out there that are in New York, California, and you can join a matchmaker and they can have multiple offices. So it's the sky's the limit really in this world, but I prefer to be a smaller matchmaker, more regional in who I'm working with than to have corporate offices all over the country. But yeah, you can. And I have clients that come to me that live that lifestyle that say, I have a home in New York and I have a home in Maine and I actually have a, house, a place in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So 
they might want to work with one of those big matchmakers because they actually do have offices in all those locations. So actually I do refer people to other matchmakers that are doing that. So that's why I say it's a very personal experience. Each matchmaker has a specialty. I do focus a lot on people that love to sail in the ocean, so I get a lot of that. I, I market kind of towards that, that client, whereas other matchmakers will work with people that maybe travel a lot or all over. I work with matchmakers in, in, the, in Europe. I'll, I'll have a client that lives in Portland, Maine that travels a lot and wants to meet somebody outside of this country. So I'll set him up or her up with another matchmaker outside of this country. So <laughs> it's a very vast network that you get to be part of when you join this. I'm part of the Matchmaker Institute. So we actually take this very seriously and it's confidential information that we're sharing between matchmakers and um, yeah, it's been <laughs> a very serious career. <laughs> it's very fun. It's great. I had no idea that there was such a thing as a matchmaker in this institute. And a matchmaker conference. We meet every year, and we, we, we collaborate, and we have guest speakers that talk about social media and all the different things that go with matchmaking. That must be a very social kind of experience, going mm-hmm. to a matchmaker conference. Ugh. It's great. I mean, I go to they're doc- great people. They're really fun. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I go to doctor conferences. We're all a little bit withdrawn, <laughs> so mostly we just kind of sit by ourselves and occasionally smile at each other. But I'm thinking if you go to a matchmaker conference, like you're probably very outgoing with one another, right? And when sometimes we bump into problems. I mean, there'll be there'll be things that we'll have, you know, a difficult situation that we're trying to navigate, and the matchmakers will help each other. We actually have a closed Facebook page that we talk to each other if there's something that comes up that we need to figure out or get someone else's advice. So that's that's another reason it's I'm not alone when I'm doing this. I I, I just so I don't know why I would need to expand too much because I have this resource right here that I can talk to matchmakers all over the world. Jill, tell me about your one favorite success story. Hmm, my one favorite success story. I'm sure you have many. Uh, right. Okay. I have, I can't tell you anything about the person because her life is very private. Uh, she was living outside of Augusta. She contacted me. She found me on the internet and she has a fascinating career, but I couldn't tell anybody what her career was. And I had to screen everybody extensively before they met her. And so I had to make sure that they you know, didn't have a criminal record, but they also couldn't have worked for certain state agencies and they couldn't have. So it was, the screening process was really extensive that I was putting people through to meet her. And, and I was worried that, boy, I was gonna scare people off because I couldn't tell them anything about her. But she was just so interesting, so intelligent. And I would be talking to her for hours on the phone, getting to know her. But then I couldn't tell the person that she was going to meet on the first date, her last name. I mixed up her first name so that they would never be able to Google her and find her. And it was like very extensive process. And I think I set her up on three dates. By the third date, she met this guy 
that I had known. I had been meeting him. You talk about not being ready. He wasn't really ready. He had come in and I'd met him, but there was timing. And then I just, I just had this moment where I thought, this guy is perfect for her. So I reached back out to him, set them up on a date, and gosh, they were immediately, they, they, they were both a little quirky, but oh my gosh, they had so much fun. They connected on so many levels. And so for her to be so happy, and I actually think that they've been going, they've been spending, they've been together for several months now, and she'll check in with me and tell me how happy they are. And I'm just so happy because she really was one of those people that could not put herself out there at all and had to be really careful about who she met. So it does make it a little challenging for a matchmaker because I can't tell anybody much about her. So a lot of people are very apprehensive, but she's really happy. So I love that. So, yeah. The other problem I have in matchmaking is I cannot give you much information about who I work with. <laughs> so testimonials are hard because my, my clients want to have a pretty private experience with this. And I get that. So I'm pretty careful about not giving too much information out. Well, it sounds to me like you have you people that are coming to work with you would kind of understand that that testimonials are just not going to be a thing, which is probably not the worst thing, right? Right, right. Although it's frustrating because I want to just like tell everybody how much fun this is and who I set up, but <laughs> I can't. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I can tell people, but and I ask them if it's okay if I can say that I introduced you or something. But yeah, I've been doing it for four years now, so I have a lot of couples that have met each other. And sometimes I lose track of them too because I might introduce them. And sometimes people will meet and then they decide it's not a match, but then they connect later and then they are going out. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought. <laughs> so yes, people are moving around and a little bit hard for me to track them down. Well, I appreciate your coming in and talking with me today. I've been speaking with Jill Hinckley, who is the owner of Hinckley Introductions, a matchmaking and coaching agency based in Portland. Thanks for the work you're doing. Thank and, you um, so much. That was really fun. It was really fun. I agree. <laughs> Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristelle, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.